Hey everyone, what's up? It's your girl Nakia and welcome to the Fearless Kia Podcast. Hey everyone, what's up? It's your girl Fearless Kia. Welcome to another Fearless Friday. This week's life update for me, I've been a bit overwhelmed with opportunity and so with opportunity, it comes, you know, you being ready. And it's one of those things where am I ready for the opportunity that is on my table right now and believing in myself that I'll be able to deliver and execute. So I think that that mindset of getting in my head and like kind of having self-doubt or having those negative thoughts have kind of weighed on me. So I've been a little bit overwhelmed. However, I know that I can push through you know, I have my little vision board. It says beautiful girls are made to do hard things. So believe in yourself. So that is what I have to remind myself every day. So that's the quick life update for me. There's um, no new changes right now in the personal or professional life. But, uh, you know, who knows what God has in store for me. So stay tuned on that. But let's jump into this week's guest. So... This week's guest <laughs> is the head of North America shows and editorial at Spotify, where he oversees all things in USA and Canada for music programming and curation. He is the host of Showstopper, a Spotify original program about the memorable music moments in TV shows and movies. Each week, he spotlights one of TV and film's greatest hits and explores its unique soundtrack through interviews with the music supervisors, composers, and talent who create it. You can also catch him on TV making commentary as a pop culture expert. He was the valedictorian of NYU, where he earned a Master's of Arts in Music Business and holds an MBA and BS from FAMU. You know, for all those who went to FAMU, I'm just, I just said it like that. Give it a little HBCU pride right there. Yeah. <laughs> I did not go to FAMU, just FYI people. And he is proud to serve as a deacon at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York. Welcome to the Fearless Kia Podcast, Xavier Jernigan. Hey, what up, what up? Better known as X. Yes. <laughs> so we may refer to you as X in that the show. That is all good. That's all good. We're friends here. So. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Of course. Thank you for your patience. You were very patient with me in scheduling. Look, all my friends is book blessed and busy, as Taylor <laughs> Walker would say. So I understand for I you to even come it. and take the time to have this discussion with me. I'm appreciative of it. I'm happy to be here. So I usually like to start out the podcast with the main question, which is, what is your deepest fear? My deepest fear. Let's see. Honestly, I don't walk around carrying this, but... I know I'm on the Fearless Kia podcast, so <laughs> um, so I thought about this ahead of time because I do listen. Um, I would say not walking in my God-given purpose, mm. the unique purpose that God birthed in me, not doing that would be my biggest fear. Like, that's why I'm here. That's why we're all here. Right. So just really staying in line, aligned with God's will for my life mm -hmm. and how that looks in my daily life, how I carry myself. Right. On the train. Right. The you know what I mean? How I speak to the person on the block. Um, you know, just being unapologetically me in all situations and no matter what's going on, no matter the circumstances, how I carry myself in work environments, how I come across on my podcast. Like it has to be me. Right. Like everything I do, like when we're doing the narration and mm -hmm. we're doing scripts and like we will edit on the spot or they send them to me, the producing, you know, the production team will send them to me right. ahead of time. And just being unapologetically me is a part of that because we're all here, you know, to walk in that purpose. Right. So I have to be me. Right. Because that's who God made me to be. Okay. So I got to carry that light every day and it looks different for everybody and it looks different in different situations. Right. But the consistent thing is, is representing God. Mm. And. For me, I truly believe that I'm put here, and not not only me, not exclusively Xavier, but that I'm put here to make Christianity and spirituality relatable mm. and cool and something that 
is a part of our lives and integrated, not something like just reserved for Sundays. Right. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and not reserved for like gospel playlists. Like it's mm-hmm. just integrated in everything we do. Right. So that's my biggest fear would be not walking in that and just out here doing me like, you know, following just the desires of my heart. Right. With no connection to to God. How do you shine that light in such a dark atmosphere and when i say yeah. atmosphere you know it's a, a dark and gloomy world yeah. you know and, and i work I mean, in entertainment and we work in entertainment <laughs> entertainment so. is no joke yeah how do you continue to sign that beacon of light yeah and it's that's a good question people ask me that all the time people always come like when i worked at record labels people all, will always come to my office or always pull me aside like some there's something different about mm-hmm. you you don't talk like everybody else you don't respond like everybody else to the craziness that's going on and me, it's not letting the environment change who I am. It's me mm. changing the environment. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like the room should be different because I'm in it. I shouldn't be different because of the room that I'm in mm. or who's in the room. So really, like, it's when I interact with an artist or worked with an artist that I really like and appreciate, I'll just tell them. Like, right. Just in all humility, like, yo, I really appreciate your music. Like, it meant this to me, blah, 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 blah. I don't sweat people like that. You know what I mean? Right. Every, I look at everybody as people and people can detect that. Mm. They can detect sincerity and authenticity and they respond to it. And people want honesty. Like if something, if an artist like is always late and mm. you working with them and it's like ruining like their, like their opportunities. Right. I pull them to the side like, hey, you got to start being on time or we need to start getting this from you or you're going to miss it. And then that's it. And then mm. I can't help you. Right. You know what I mean? So that kind of thing. So I think authenticity, sincerity, you looking to be a change agent in the environment instead of like you flipping. Like, you know what mm-hmm. people do? They put, you know, people going to church and they start playing church. They start Ooh, talking, you know, talk speaking about in it. church Can speak, we talk about which it? I hate, by the way, it's so corny to me. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Those phrases oh and God, all that. Yeah. People, yo, I can't take it, man. So what, like, the, what is play church? You know, what, saying, play, you know what I'm saying? It's play church. Like, you know, you know, it's all these phrases, you know, and it's just every environment has like, you know, these these things you're supposed to do when you get in them. And I'm not mm. talking about decorum and I'm not talking about what's proper for an environment. I'm talking about people just feel like it's these made up rules that people just take on and start saying these things without even questioning them or asking themselves, why do I say this? Or why, why are they saying that? Or what's that for? Right. And I don't do that. Like, for example, music industry, entertainment, people be getting cussed out in meetings. And I'm like, no, no, you people don't cuss me out on the street. So you ain't gonna cuss me out in a meeting. Oh, the same way. I'm not gonna call somebody out of their name. You know what I mean? Just we're trying to get work done and we're trying to make a living and we're blessed to do something that's fun or something that's interesting. Like God never promised any of us that we will have a cool job. Fact. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when we're doing something that is cool or is fun, I look at that as a blessing. When I worked in, before the music industry, I worked like consumer packaged goods, like right, right. Fam. Mm-hmm. And it was a good job. It was, it was cool in the sense that I was learning a lot. It was a great company. I was at Procter and Gamble. I was at Arm and Hammer. I didn't find it interesting like that, marketing toothpaste every day. You know what I'm saying? Like, that didn't interest me like that. So what I would do when I had any downtime, I'm like going on the blogs, I'm going on the sites, like checking out what like what the box office was like that weekend, mm-hmm. what the number one album was, you know, reading this album interview, what albums are coming out, album reviews. And that right. I get to do that for a living, like, that's, that's dope. Right. So why am I going to go in an environment and be negative? Right. So, you know, every job has its thing. Thing, right. And it's some whack about every job. Mm-hmm. We all know this. Right. Sometimes you just don't feel like going. It can be the coolest job in the world. And you just may not feel like going that day. Mm-hmm. But my thing is just being positive, like remembering every day that, that I'm there to be different and represent God in that way. So that's how I right. try to go about it. Well, how did you figure out <laughs> what your God-given purpose or how do you, you know, keep yourself on track? To continue to fulfill your mission and what God has put you on this earth to do. Connecting with God as often as humanly possible. So Mm. in practical terms, like I do something called the first 15 that a friend of mine came up with as a part of a ministry that I led for many, many years at Emmanuel Baptist Church. 
in Brooklyn, New York. For those of you in Brooklyn, come through corner BBC corner of St. James Place and Lafayette. Come on through. Um, but some co- that we call the first fifteen. Mm-hmm. The first fifteen minutes of your day started with God. Mm. Don't don't pick that phone up because you'll get distracted. Don't do it on your phone. Pray. Come on. And have a devotional, meaning something to just center your day and focus your day on. And it's connected directly to scripture. Mm. And it's a lot of lot of dope ones out there. I could suggest some, but that's what I start my day with. One one by Sarah Young that I've been reading that I really, really love. Mm. Like look her up, Google her. They're low cost. It's it's good to have a book and it's just away from your phone and you don't get caught up in what's happening on IG and catching up on the news of the day and right. all that. It's you and God, you thanking God for just waking you up. Yes. You know, we we miss all those things like that are just huge blessings mm-hmm. that we overlook, like waking up in a warm bed because everybody's not waking up in a warm bed. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that you have something to eat. Yes. Everybody doesn't have something to eat. Those things connect me back to God and remind me that God is taking care of me. He ordained this day. He woke mm. me up for a purpose. I'm very thankful about my health. Mm. Like, cause we take it for granted. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, yo, if I'm healthy today, if I got enough to eat, I actually have everything I need, I need today. And In order ha- to fulfill your purpose. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's how it connects back to that's how I'm walking in my purpose. Because when you get that like spirit and attitude of like thankfulness and just an attitude of thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. then it just opens you up to like receive what God has for you and you walk in it. So I just try to think about that throughout the day. And one big thing I've really been on is not my strength, God, but yours. Mm -hmm. Because my strength is like this finite. Right. And God's strength is limitless. So if I'm leaning on his, he's going to give me what I need to carry me through the day. And I always like ask for a spirit of excellence that everything I do, I'm going hard. Like, so I'm a big believer in Colossians 3.23. Um, or is it 3.28? But work as if you're working for the Lord and not human masters. Mm, that's what that's it's about. That's a different perspective too. Right. It different ain't these people. Mindset. It ain't this whack boss that's clocking me. You know what I mean? And You know what I mean? Because I've had the wackest bosses ever. My current boss is like, the most amazing boss I've ever had mm-hmm. by far. But I've had some really whack ones that tried to hold me back mm. because they were threatened mm. and they were insecure and they thought I was coming for their job. Right. So they're trying to, you know, play me to the side. You sit over there. Don't sit at the main table. This <laughs> meeting don't say nothing, but had the numbers ready. You know what I mean? Right. Stuff like that. Right. But the way God is, though, people peep that. And then they start asking you directly because they start real. You know, it's just, yeah. I got so many stories, man. Oh, like, we got time. <laughs> I got so many stories of how God like comes through and, and came through and and he'll put his light on you and somebody will see you or he'll put your name on somebody's lips and they'll say your name and you'll get a call. Every job I've had in entertainment, somebody called me. Mm. Like I didn't find it online. And then apply and then it came like the traditional way. Mm-hmm. It's because somebody like texted me, emailed me, called me. And I know that's God. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was a purpose. It was purpose in that. And the purpose is for me to be a light where I am. Having cool jobs, all oh, that's dope. But he wants me to be a light in these places. So that connects all the first right. questions you asked. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I want you to kind of take us through that journey of how you started out in consumer packaged goods mm-hmm. and then transitioned over into mm-hmm. music because there are so many people who are probably listening who are very interested in music or, you know, hustling right now, yeah. <laughs> trying to get in the industry. And right. so it's endured career trajectory but your story is also um unique because you did come from like a very traditional yeah corporate super corporate <laughs> you know yeah. and gamble like yeah. to yeah. now working at spotify yeah. you worked at some of the biggest labels mm-hmm. you know that are out here today so i would love for you to like take us through that journey yeah so at fam i did a five-year mba program mm-hmm. sbi shout out and at fam, I was one of the people saying, I'm going to work in entertainment. So any any of my people will tell you, like, he was the same dude telling us what to listen to. We debating music and breaking it down. And like my girlfriend at fam, like all our first like, our early dates, mm-hmm. I told her, like, straight up, when we go to the movies, we're always going to see two movies. 
we go <laughs> tell me tell me one of them you want to see and then we're gonna sneak into the second one and just side note she's an academy award nominated writer director so shout out to her awesome but um it's just crazy how god really will connect those things that he just puts on you like i've always been in the music like on a deeper level like i was always reading the credits I was always reading the magazines. I always wanted to know, okay, how did they come up with that that idea? What instrument is that right there? So my brother and I, we were we were in band drummers. So played xylophone and snare and tenor drum and bongos. And my brother went to Howard. He was section leader of their drum drum line. I went to Fam, and I was like, man, I ain't about to be out here. I ain't about to be out here slaving. <laughs> And this hundred degree heat, like, so, so my band career was done after I graduated <laughs> high school, but just how things go, like me and my college roommate and some of my other homeboys, we like, we were rapping and we were performing and I was fortunate enough that like every time I performed, it went well. Mm. Like people were like feeling what we were doing and it was just something like, it was just in me. So I knew I had to work in something that interested me on that level. So I'm just an artist by nature. Right. From that standpoint, I I wrote short stories. I always just have ideas about stuff. Right. So I went into marketing as a major because I knew there's marketing, there's textbook marketing, which, you know, was invented by the Procter & Gamble's and the Cokes. That can be transferable into entertainment. So I figured if I can go in that route, I can work my way. Just the way I am, I knew I would be able to somehow work my way into it. Right. So my graduate internship, I did two prior internships, but my graduate internship was at Coke in Atlanta. So they made me an offer coming out. I also had an offer from Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati corporate headquarters. I also had an offer from Ford. And I decided to go to Procter & Gamble because it was in their marketing research department in the ethnic marketing division. It just so happened, and I put, y'all can't see this, but so I got air quotes up, <laughs> that it was a sister that was on a recruiting team. She was only two years older than me. And as we were going through the like interview process and all of that, she was like, we have an opening on our team. Like, I would love for you to join our team. And to like, have an opportunity to work for a young black woman that was only two years older than me. Right. And then we were on, like, we were doing African-American marketing and Latino marketing. I was like, yeah. So <laughs> that led me to choose like to go to Procter & Gamble. Shout out to Ohio. I, the truth is I wasn't excited <laughs> to move to Ohio. You know, no shade to Cincinnati. Cincinnati was good to me. But, you know, like I had offers. I mean, you born and raised in Florida. Right, born and raised in Daytona Beach. And I had an offer in Atlanta. And But this was the right career move. Right. So I was willing to like, let me go to the cold and... You made a sacrifice. Exactly. Like to get the textbook marketing experience. Right. So it was one of those I was super fortunate where like I got to travel a lot because of the kind of research we did. We had to go to the markets where, you know, the top markets for African-Americans and for Latinos. Mm. So I had to travel to New York. This is right out of school. I'm 22 years old with an MBA working at one of the top firm, you know, top corporations in the world. And I get to travel to New York, Chicago, L.A. We had an office in San Juan, Puerto Rico. So I got to go to Puerto Rico six times in like 15 months. So I was just traveling all the time. So just getting a taste, Atlanta, Texas, mm-hmm. or just getting a taste of that life. Yeah. Um, and my, thing, my main thing was just learning as much as I could about like how to market the textbook way. Right. And I knew I could take that and translate it over. So did that. After a year and a half, Procter & Gamble was struggling, actually. They had their biggest, on my first day at Procter & Gamble, they yeah. had their biggest stock drop in the history of the company at that time. Right. So a lot of people's pensions were cut completely in half. And what that did on my first day at the job was just let me know, like, none of this is, like, guaranteed. It could be the most stable company. Like, Correct. You know, they that's Procter & Gamble. That's Tide. That's Tampax. That's Swiffer. That's, like... Stuff like 75% of the People stuff is in your cabinets. Yeah. They're going to use. That's mm-hmm. Bounty. That's Charmin. And the stock dropped by 50% on my first day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't make that up. You either. can't make this stuff up. So like my point of view was just like, this is temporary. This is a mm-hmm. means to an end. 
So after about a year at the company, they offered. So they didn't want to do just layoffs. Right. And, you know, at companies like that, it tends to be, you know, last hired, first fired. Mm. What they did was offer everybody in the company a a package, like a, a voluntary package. Right. So you got to look at the actual package and see, like, what it would be. If you worked there for a year, they would, they would give you three months pay, extend your benefits for three months. The economy was good then, by the way. Mm-hmm. Three months pay, three months benefits, and they would pay $5,000 check to you towards school if you went back to school within two years. So I was like, let me let me go on and, let me go on and get that. <laughs> let me explore this, uh, <laughs> this opportunity. Yeah, let me explore this. And, and, and it should be told. They were being super shady at the job. A mm. lot of people, all of a sudden, people who had reviews the month before, like really good reviews, people had reviews in the prior two months, including me. Right. All of a sudden, now you're getting reviewed again. And you're like, wait a minute, I just had my annual review like a month ago. Right. And now people getting bad reviews and put on performance improvement plans. <sighs> yeah, it was a straight shade, y'all. Oh, my God. And I was put on one. I was put on it. Like, How did you handle that? Honestly, it like stung because I always excelled and I knew I was doing well. Like, so I knew it was shady. What made me feel better was it was his brother. Like I went to to his barber shop. Like, you know, it was an older brother mm-hmm. there who had been working there for like 15 years. So I would go like to the barber shop with him. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me his wife who had worked there just as long as he did. They did her like that. And when he told me that story, I was like, oh, now I see the game. Because my girlfriend at the time, when I just uh, referenced earlier, same thing happened to her. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, she was super over. She, she ended up in Cincinnati as well, working at Procter & Gamble. She graduated after I did. And same shade to her. So we were like, man, let's get up out of here, man. Right. You know this what I mean? This is not, this is temporary. This right. Is this is temporary. And they want to pay us to go somewhere else. And we were like, the real, like, the real win is if we get another gig and then you got like two months pay like in the bag. Boom. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, the economy was really good at the time. So we both got headhunters. And my thing was like, let me get to New York. Let me get as close to New York as possible. And then I can use that to transition into the music industry. Because I was, you know, my my love for film and TV are equal to music. But I was like, ah, music is the way like I want to go. Because music is also in TV shows and films. Right. So it's ubiquitous in that way. So I was like, let me get close to New York. And literally, this is what happened. True story. I was sitting on the side of my bed, and God spoke to me super clear. And the way God speaks to me a lot of times, speaks me speaks to me a number of ways. But one way is he'll plant very clear thoughts into mm-hmm. my head that I know didn't come from me. And this is exactly how it happened. God was like, I bet you you should think about going back to school. NYU probably has a program like that's related to music business. I ain't I didn't know anybody that went to NYU. I didn't know anything about <laughs> them having so, that a program like this existed. And he was like, "Go online and look." And I went. I literally got up right then and there. Go online, type in like NYU music business, and. This description would have been like the program that I would have wrote if I could have wrote any program. If It was like if I were to go back to school. <laughs> right. And it yes. was like, yeah. And it was a Master of Arts and Music Business program. They also had an undergrad one. And I was like, that's what it is. I'm going to get to New York. I'm going to get a job as, in New York or as close to New York as possible. Have them move me. Mm. Pay for me to move out there. Right. Work for a year. I'm going to apply. And this literally all I'm talking about all this whole plan. In one in one sitting. In just, one sitting. Mm. God gave it to me that clearly. You know, get a job in or close to New York. You're gonna work for a year. You're gonna apply next top of next year. You're gonna get accepted. Then you'll go to NYU full time. That's how you'll transition. Right. And that's exactly how it happened. I got a job at Arm and Hammer. I interviewed at a few places. Got a job at Arm and Hammer, which is in Princeton, New Jersey. Okay. So I had them move me to Jersey City. So you had a job still with Procter & Gamble? Yeah, so I left P&G. To- so I still had like, so I left P&G. Mm-hmm. Like, my, like my last day was like June 1st was like a Friday right. or something. And then 
I had a few interviews lined up and I got like the PNG offer in say July. Okay. And then they moved me out. They paid for everything. And, and then you, like And you were going to school at that time and why you why well, you were working? No, no. I oh. wor- I worked just straight student for oh. a year cuz all oh, this happened like this was like God gave me the idea in like May. Mm. I left Cincinnati that summer, hired by Arm and Hammer, worked just w- straight worked for a year, applied my application was turned in five minutes before they shut the door on the last day that the applications were due. Mm. I feel I like sped all the way up the turnpike from Princeton. Whoa. Jumped on the path, ran across <laughs> Washington <on> the- <laughs> Square Park. Eighth Street stop, ran sprinted across Washington Square Park. It was raining. This guy again the train just ended up going express, skipped some stops. <laughs> and actually it was past it. It was like I think the Deadline was like five o'clock or whatever. I knew I didn't have time to mail it. That's why I had to physically, I don't know why it came down to the last day. It just did. And I knew it was too late to mail it. So I'm literally sprinting like, please, I hope they just didn't shut the door yet. Because it's past five o'clock. Maybe it's like 501, 502. I get there and the door's still open. Put the application on top and I was just sitting there like catching my breath. And then like the director of admissions came in to pick up the applications and was like, hey, and then we started talking. Yeah, because I was there. That's telling you, man, God will not be stopped. God's plans will not be stopped. And long story short, you know, I got a call back for an interview, did an interview, got accepted, gave my notice that next summer, like almost a year to the day I worked at Arm & Hammer, moved into Brooklyn and was a full-time student. Full-time student. Full-time student. So let's talk about these student loans. Lord Jesus. Because um, you just said you got your undergrad, your MBA. Yeah. So, now, you got an, now you got another master at this point. So thankfully, I have none from fam because I had scholarships and stuff. Look at God. God. Look at God. Yeah. So, oh, so this is the thing. So let me, <laughs> let me tell you how God will, like, put you at a crossroads, right? So right after I was, like, given my notice at Arm & Hammer, I had... No debt, no student loans. My first car was paid in full. This never happens. This never happens. My apartment, I lived on a waterfront in Jersey City, which is like Manhattan rent. Mm. Mm. They were going to lower my rent over $500 a month to re-sign my lease. So I was going to be caking, no debt. They were lowering my rent. And then at work, they were like, Oh, like they had already told me they were going to promote me in like a few months. So, you know, I'm at a crossroads like, do I work? Because you can defer. Yeah, you can, you can defer, defer that year. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, nah, I just went, I stack up. Da, 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 da. And God was like, okay, that ain't what I told you to we do. We ain't deferring these opportunities that right. I've already placed and, in front of you. Right. And thankfully, I didn't play myself. Because who, 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 who knows? Would, who would have known? Who knows? Like my commute, y'all, was an hour and a half on average one way mm. down a turnpike. So three hours out of the day, at the like the quickest, I was in my car five days a week. And I just felt like my life was going by. Every time I saw like the mileage tick up, mm. I was like, what am I doing? Like I was thankful for my job, but I was just like, what, what is this? And I was about to sign up. Like I was thinking about doing that for another year, like when that part of it was miserable. So for me, it was just pure joy to like take on our student loans. Like for me- right. That was worth paying for. And just so y'all don't know, a little fun fact. Look up most expensive schools in the United States. NYU was always one or two. I know. I think it's expensive. Lord Jesus. So student (laughs) loans, they're not, you know, they're not for the faint at heart. But I'm thankful because I'm You got the return on your investment, though. I, I totally did. And I'm one of the few people that I know. Somebody was just saying this to me yesterday. I'm one of the few people I know that literally use every one of my degrees. Mm. It's... And I know people totally change gears. That's moving gears. with intention and purpose, people. Okay. Right. You know what I mean? Like I knew what I was trying to do straight. Like even like leaving high school, like I was telling my mom, I was like, well, I know I'm gonna get a master's. I was like, well, if I do anything, I'm gonna get a master's in it just because that's Cause what you I'm want, gonna do. Yeah. Like, so that was just me and how I moved. So for me, it was return on investment. And while you had the program I wanted, it was in the place where the most record labels are in the center of the music industry in the world. And then I can just get access in all these, you know, all these internships and opportunities to intern. And I was actually still doing music and we were performing and like opening for like to live quality and like 
His all the all the opportunity was here. And as a the go back even farther, like I knew as a little kid, I knew at three years old I was supposed to move to New York. God told me that at three. I knew very clearly that I was supposed to go to New York and win. I promise you that. At three at years three old. Three years old. Very that was one of the that's one of my earliest memories is that I knew I was supposed to move here. I knew it. I always knew it my whole life. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah. So it's funny, like, as, like, things happen and you have setbacks, mm. um, you, you almost, like, don't know where it's going. But, but the thing I always knew is that I was supposed to be here. That was the one thing I was clear on. Do you think it's because you were grounded and rooted <clears throat> in strong faith and belief over fear? Yeah, that definitely was the thing that has always anchored me. Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> I mean, so my first paid job was right out of NYU. Puff asked me to be his personal assistant and his protege. Come on, did he? Yeah, so I was. I had interned that bad boy. Um, then long story short, he asked me, he was like, hey, I'm looking for a protege. I think you're it. Come work for me. I'm gonna show you, like, show you the business first. And did that just happen by chance, or you graduated from NYU? And so, while I was interning at Bad Boy, I did, I did really well there. They they really took to me, and so I started interning there in January of that year. Right. I stayed all the way through. So I interned there during the spring and stayed on through the summer. But because I had worked already, I was older than at the time. I was 26. Right. So I was older than other interns. Like at the time, you can intern right out of high school. You ain't have to be getting college credit. You can't do that anymore by law. But you could just like know somebody and intern, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they put me in charge of the summer interns because I had that experience already and I had already been there three months. Right. So they just they gave me a lot of opportunity to shine as an intern. Like it was super old school intern way at Bad Boy. It okay. Was, Going paying people's bills, getting people's car, going out in the rain, get people's lunch every day and making copies and all of that. But anytime I make copies, I'm going to read. If it's a music video treatment, I'm going to read it. I'm going to make a copy for me. Facts. You know what I mean? Anytime I made a copy for someone, I made a copy for me and read everything. Everything I was around, I'm reading it. And I'm saying, you ain't going to be in the office before me or after me. Mm. Next thing you know, like, they're inviting you into the offices. Tracy Waple, shout out to her, who was the first person I interned for. Uh, legendary music marketer um, who was with Puff for a while, was with Jay, marketed the first Kanye albums. She does a lot of consulting now with Pusha T and all and good music. But like next thing you know, you get invited into these conversations. And then like they, and then they start hearing your opinions and like, you know, give you some room to right. comment. And then they just like, okay, this dude like knows what he's doing. So when I was about to graduate from NYU, my last semester, we have to write a thesis. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Let me see if I can interview Puff for it. I mean, I right. see, you know, so I would pass him in the hall. Ultimate and, suit your shot. You know what I'm people. saying? I would pass him in the hall. So he knew who I was. And anytime it was a, a meeting, they would let everybody in. Like every couple of months, they'd have these meetings where Puff is in there. He just kind of run down some big things that were going on. Right. And you can ask a question. So the interns got to come to this. This shout out to FAMU, SBI. Always ask a question. A good one, of course. A good one. <laughs> a good one. Throw, my hand was always the first up, and it was always a good question. And I made, I always, he would be like, that's a good question. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. And people would be like scared to like even speak to him in the hallway. So I always spoke, get eye contact, say what's up. Like, that's a man, I'm a man. And... You know, people pick up on that stuff. And right. I notice. So Tracy helped me, you know, went to him and said, hey, he wants to interview you. And he was like, cool. Word. She, she said to me, she was like, I'm going to make sure that happens. And he was super generous with his time. At the time, he was doing a Raising in the Sun mm. on Broadway. This was summer 2004. And I'm interviewing him backstage in his dressing room as he's getting dressed to do a Raising in the Sun <laughs> on Broadway. Felicia Rashad walking by and Audra McDonald and Sanaa Lathan. And I interview him. I did a thesis on a sophomore slump. And, you know, that's the phenomenon where, like, you come out with, like, a dope album, the first album, and the second one doesn't do well for a number of reasons. <laughs> right. There wasn't a lot of research on that, so that right. meant I had to do a lot of interviews. 
mm. you know, and write the paper that way. And he was just super like generous in terms of like being transparent and talking about his own experience, like between like the, you know, No Way Out album with, you know, Can't Nobody Hold Me Down right. and, you know, all the classics on that, all about the Benjamins. And the next one was called Forever. <laughs> and he was like, oh, why would you even name? Like, he was like, right. why would you even name your album Forever? What does that say? Da, da, da. And if your first album sells 10 million and your second one sells two, that's going to be considered a flop. Facts. And that's like, you know, <laughs> Facts. Right? you know what I mean? By numbers, it's automatically right. considered exactly. a flop. So he was great with his time and we just had a great rapport and he really, you know, we were just vibing. And at the end, I was graduating maybe the next week or the week after that. And... At the end of the interview, he was like, so what you going to do when you, um, he was like, you're graduating, right? What right. you doing when you finish school? <laughs> and Tracy Waples was going to make me a product manager. Oh, Right okay. out, right? That was, that's what she said she wanted to do. And uh, I said, hopefully working for you. I meant the, at, the, the, the at company. Bad Boy, yeah, the at company. the enterprise. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so he, I remember he was looking in the mirror and he was like, oh, okay, okay. Well, something close to me is opening up. I want you to go for it. And I'm like. <laughs> okay i had no idea what he was talking about right so i'm like oh, okay so the next week i'm going and at the time i was just working there a couple of days a week they're actually paying me to work there part-time at this point right and i go in and the head of hr is just like everybody's like yo her name is vashta dunlap it was like vashta's looking for you vashta's looking for you like yo man like we've been trying to call you and i was on the train they didn't have service on the trains back then by the way uh, they barely have them now. Barely have them now, right. <laughs> so they had none back then. As soon as you walked down, it was a wrap, right? So you would like go dark for like an hour. So I'm like, what's up? Like I'm coming in and, you know, you hear the stories about people like get fired like for <laughs> little to nothing. And those stories, some, a lot of those stories were true. So I started thinking like, huh, well, maybe he didn't like something I said or something I did. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was thinking, I was like, maybe he thought my response about what I'm doing I finished school was a little arrogant or presumptuous. So baby, he ain't like that. I was like, get rid of this dude. Literally, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. So he's like, yo, go straight to Vasha's office. So, I mean, people are running up to me and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I already had in my mind, well, I graduate next week. <laughs> I've, it's been a good run. It'll be fine. I just, and I've been fired before, but okay. <laughs> so I go to her office and she says, <laughs> Close the door. I'm like, oh, it's going in my head. I'm like, oh, it's going down. Okay, well. So she was like, you know, Puff has been looking for a protege all these years. He never felt that he found it and he feels like it's you. And he wants you to come work for him. And he's asking you to work closely with him and be his personal assistant and start like immediately. Do you want to do it? And you were probably like, I thought I was coming out and being a product (laughs) manager, right? Yeah, right. So that was part of it. So I'm like, okay, the protege part. And it was like, and it was, the other piece was you can't say, you can't talk to people. You can't say like, hey, I'm his protege. Da, 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 da. Right. right. So I'm like, okay. So I just graduated NYU, my second master's. Right. About, the protege part is exciting. Mm-hmm. But I'm about to be a personal assistant though. So I, So I said, I didn't accept right on the spot. I said- I want to be very clear that I'm working on the business side of things and I want to learn the business, but it can't skew too personal. Like I can't. And they were like, okay, he understands. Like she came back to me, you know, a day later or maybe a few hours later. Right. Okay. Then I like tried to negotiate for money. It didn't pay well at all. It didn't pay. What's sad is it didn't pay like the way, Personal assistants really get paid working right. for superstars, which can be six figures. Wasn't but the experience was invaluable. Absolutely. I'm sure. Absolutely. Being that you wanted to be in marketing, and yeah. then now you have this and you marketing Madden Listen, right here. And and you, like, I was with Puff every day, waking him up. My day ended when he was getting into bed, literally. And I'm with this dude every day when he's having like one of his most, like probably his most legendary summer of his career. Mm. A Raising the Sun, carried the Olympic torch. He won Fashion Designer of the Year, first African-American to ever 
win that. Mm-hmm. We're at the Tony Awards where Felicia Rashad was the first woman to win Best Leading Actress. Mm-hmm. In a, oh, did she win supporting? I think she was supporting Audrey McDonald won leading, something yes. like that. It was one or the other. But like, you know what I mean? Like history was being made and I was there front row. Like, like we'll be running around the city and it would be like, yo, I want to go to Miami. And we'll just, I would have to like go to Miami with, on a private jet with the clothes on my back and then buy my clothes there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, and just seeing things and learn. And he gave me a lot of nuggets. Like when it would be just me and him, he would give me a lot, a lot of nuggets. So that was amazing. But it got to a point by the end of that summer where some things were clashing um, with what I asked about early when I, right. before I took the, the job. So I decided to, to leave. And I had never quit a job without having a job or having very strong prospects. And I stepped away. Mm. from from that and but then from there it was like a, a, you just like shot up it's, you know, it's as crazy far as like you worked your way up as far as throughout the it did like industry. it's crazy because the all these doors open you know but it was a period where it was quite where i stepped away like i went back to florida not like i planned on coming back but unintentionally I went back to Florida for the holidays where well, that was intentional, but I ended up staying. Mm. Like I just wasn't ready to go back. Like my mom was taking me to the airport. Was there something about your spirit? Was there a certain spirit of discernment in regards yeah. to where you were at in your, at that point in your journey? Yeah. I knew it was stuff I needed to bring back and that I needed to bring to New York that I hadn't brought to New York yet. Mm. And I could only get it back by going home. Right. And I just needed to be home and just to be like I had never had a break. You know, a lot of us don't get afforded the opportunity to have a break. Right. So I just like took a break and just spent time at home with my mm-hmm. homeboys, like homeboys and took care of me and just felt it out. And shout out to my mom. Like we're a family that's like we're a family of really hard workers and hey, what's going on now? Like we ain't gonna just be moving back at the crib and chilling. Like my stuff was in storage up here, and she just she just let me be right until like I was ready to roll back. And then once I got back to New York, stuff started moving. But I had to take opportunities where like essentially like to get my foot in the door, I was making minimum wage like for a few months, mm. and you know I was sleeping on friends' couches, like they looked out. Like, loved right. me, loved on me, loved me. Poured into you. Poured into me where, like, on some like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about bills. Don't worry about nothing. Don't worry about groceries. You got a place to sleep. Use that money to get your Metro card, the little money that you make to get a Metro card. Then I, what I had was a car. I owned my car, and I let them use my car like like it was, my, like it was theirs. Mm. And we looked out for each other like that, like... Shout out to Melissa. Shout out to Angie. Like, they helped me down like that. And that's how I was able to, like, get my foot back in the door. And that helped me to shoot up and and for things to happen that way. But it was like, you know, like, it was literally time. Like, when I went back to New York, straight up, I had $40 in my pocket. And I'm not, you know, my family... We ain't got like I don't got a safety net like that, right? You know what I mean. Ain't got no trust funds, right? Nah, I literally (laughs) came back to New York with forty dollars, and I never went without a meal. I never went without a place to sleep, and I'm talking about healthy meals, and and it all just came together because God told me when I was three I was supposed to come to New York. Alignment and timing. You know what I mean? So. Then everything happened. Like then I actually went back to Bad Boy because they asked me to come back, and then I go back, and then they asked me to be in this TV commercial and star in it with Lala, and I'm like, okay. And then they say my name in the commercial, and then that just brought me, like, put me on a map in a little, a little bit, like, in terms of going back to Bad Boy, and me and Puff got cool again, and then I was doing digital marketing, yeah. So I was there for like nine months, and then get over through a friend at NYU. Remember, I said. Every job I got, somebody called, texted, or emailed me. The cat I graduated with, shout out Eric Petty. He was over at Republic. That was like like two blocks from Bad Boy at the time. Right. He was trying to call me. I ain't hit him back. I ran into him on a corner, like right next to the job. And he was like, yo, they got, they got a position over here doing the same thing you're already doing. We were doing the same thing. Got over there. I was there four and a half years. And that's how I worked my way up 
from digital marketing manager to senior marketing director. Mm. And I got to work on some really cool projects from Amy Winehouse to Ryan Leslie to Badu. And then I went from there. I went from Motown Republic. I went to Epic. And I launched Future's Career as senior marketing director. And then I got laid off from there on some shady stuff. We won't get into that in this but you Were you ever fearful that you wouldn't be able to bounce back from that layoff never okay i was just wondering when mm. and what was the next move mm. and when it would happen what did you do in that time time of displacement i my, that time it was only displacement in a day-to-day job i had plenty to do because you know we always have stuff we wish we had time to do right when we're working every day I did all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's when I got on my devotional game. Is that when you became a deacon? Well, I was always active at the church. Okay. Um, front of time, in terms, of, I'm I'm speaking specifically to Emmanuel right now. But I got I joined Emmanuel when I first moved to New York. Shout out to Erica, one of my closest friends in the world from Fam. She already lived here, and she was like, "I got this church. You gonna love it." Because we used to go to church together down at Fam. Mm-hmm. And, and went I loved it never even visited another church so I joined Emmanuel and I got involved early on and so I was already leading at Emmanuel and super involved and had gone on mission trips to South Africa with the church so I already already had that going on which is like another job I call that my unpaid job honestly I call that my job and everything else is the side hustle like working for God is my job everything else is the side hustle um So I was already involved. Okay. I was already doing that. So that was going on. But it was like, what are the other things I'm not doing? Or what are the other things I'm not listening to God on? Because there's always more we can do. Right. I focused on all of that stuff. Like, I got back on my reading. I'm just talking about personal reading. And I I went, oh, I was always already going to say I was got on my workouts. But I had been doing that. But there's just a lot more I could have been doing and like talking to my family and talking to friends and just, just being. Mm-hmm. And then I just focused on that. And then opportunities kept coming my way, like opportunities to be on TV. They didn't pay, but the perception that it generated was that I was more successful than I was when I had the full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. So I could, I could go record for VH1 on a day that I would not have been able to do, do that, that had I been working right in a full-time job. So I, you know, I'm on all these shows. The next thing you know, like a makeup artist was like, you got to get an agent and connect me with an agent. And I'm auditioning to be like a anchor on fuse network, reading teleprompters and stuff like, like, like that didn't pan out when I'm and it was, wasn't supposed to, but I got, all this experience. Right. You have a whole sizzle reel now. Right. Straight up. And mm-hmm. literally, I was on VH1 every week. They put me in the commercials and everything for these shows. I'm like, I, you know what I mean? But that's God, though. With my name on the screen, like, the pop culture expert thing came. Because at first, they want, they, they put, like, music industry executive. And then one day, the producers hit me after I had done a few. And was like, what do you want your title to be? And mm-hmm. I was like, and on the spot. I was just like, I was on the phone. I was like, pop culture expert. Right. And at that point, they were like, okay, great. And I was a pop culture expert because I said I was a pop culture expert. Claim it. You know what I'm saying? And as soon as they see that under your name on TV, guess what? You're a pop culture expert. And I'm on TV commenting (laughs) on pop culture. (laughs) Right. And that's just like how that went. And then, I mean, it was, it was, you know, projects came my way. So I was getting money here and there, but it was, it was tight financially. You know, in a lot of in a lot of spots. But next thing you know, like I'm like three opportunities came my way and ended ended up at Def Jam, heading up digital commerce. That led to I'm speed up the story. But then that led to me coming to Spotify, like came straight in the doors, head of North America for editorial. Huge opportunity. Huge opportunity. And then. And they, that's alignment right there, right? Because you wanted to do movies or exactly. But then you also exactly music. So I and mean, then they then next thing you know, I'm there, and then I get pitched to like I got the full on talent pitch. They were going to known names outside of Spotify, and they were like, 
we think X would be dope to host this podcast. And I thought the podcast is a season before I was the host. And I liked the concept of the podcast already. They didn't even know this. Mm. And then one day they called me and like and went into a full on, like straight up full on talent pitch. It was like, would you like to be the host? Da, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And, I, and before they could barely find out, yes, <laughs> yes, I will do it. And they were like, we want you to be you. We want you. For you. And then all these things just happen. It all just comes together and bigger things are coming with this and live experiences. And I mean, I'm telling you, man, when God has a plan, there's there's nothing. If you focus on it and you stay on a path, like, and you trust them, it'll it'll pan out. And I, there's some real big stuff coming. That's like, real. It's exciting, man. It's exciting. I mean, and you, I, I met you at the um, Easter Rays Hello Dinner in Brooklyn. Yes. Um, last last year, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, you're working on really dope, tr- like music programming, aligning with TV shows. Yeah. I mean, she's got to have it. Yeah, yeah, out. So, yeah. like, I know there are certain mm-hmm. things. Like, what are some projects that you worked on that you're most um, proud of? Well, since you've been at Spotify. Well, that's one. outside of Showstopper, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm a plug. The Insecure Showstopper episode is coming out in a few days. I know it's Fearless Friday, so. The episodes come out on Tuesday, so a few days after Fearless Friday, we're going to have the Insecure episode and Yvonne Orgy's in the episode yeah. and who plays Molly, for those who don't know. Raphael Sadiq, one of, uh, who's a legend and somebody I absolutely love musically. He's the composer for Insecure. And then Kira Lehman, who's the music supervisor. So I interview all through it in and with the narration and we just talk about key moments in the show that we all were talking about, but... Insecure, I'm proud of because we helped solve a problem that people didn't know they had. Mm. And what's dope about working with TV shows and movies is that it's a it's a place where people discover music. Right. So people would Google like crazy and Shazam when they would hear these songs they never heard of in these episodes. Right. I was like, right. Right. And it's right. And tweeting and DMing, like, you know, like, you know, Yvonne and Issa, like, what song was that? And so we decided to partner, you know, I was able to reach out and that's what's dope about my, my position Yeah, is I can get a lot of people on the phone. And I was like, got to HBO, HBO got me to Kier, the music, music supervisor. And we formed a partnership, like where they sent us all the songs for the whole season ahead of time. And then before the episode would end, we we boom, boom Issa playlist. would right playlist you're right exactly Issa would tweet it out listen to all the music from the episode there and that just started a new trend because like that real time connection to what people were talking about in a moment that connects back to the show that just set off a wave yes. of like stuff we're doing that led to my partnership with Spike Lee uh, and she's got to have it and just a whole like we got a stuff I can't even speak about yet that's sending it like that just know when it comes just know when it comes X hands have been on it okay (laughs) just know when it comes and there's some dope stuff like that's coming that like we're already talking about now and this is good I'm just you know what I'm really proud of to to answer that too is our Black History Month programming that we did and it Mm -hmm. hadn't been done before I got there last year and it's a team effort for sure so I'm not saying I'm the only one who did it or the only one who wanted this program right but just the fact that I'm in a position where I'm able to make the decisions to say we're gonna have a whole slate of Black History Month programming reflected on Spotify and we got like over a hundred playlists that tell the story of the you know African diaspora like Afro Latino playlist, and this year we launched Cruz. Like, so we got like this is OVO and yeah. like the old school joints. This is Native Tongues, and I mean it's just dope. Like we launched Black Boy Joy. So that was Black just Girl, listening right? to that. Yeah. I was just listening <laughs> to that the other night because I was working on this project, and I love him. First of all, I love Caleb yes, from, he's Stranger dope, from Stranger Things. Things, and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, like, okay. Yeah. Boy, got some taste. Yeah. And then even the songs that are on there, it wasn't just like one aspect of the other. Mm-hmm. Like you had a good, well-rounded like experience yeah. of Black Boy Joy. And I've even got hip to some new music that I was like, oh, I right. need to add that exactly. to the, um, I need to start following this artist. Exactly. This artist, so. Two other ones I'm really proud of is uh, we just Michelle Obama did a playlist for yes. Valentine's Day that she dedicated to uh, former president Barack Obama. And um, I'm just proud that I got to be a part of that. Like that was amazing. And then 
getting the audio of Oprah's speech from the Golden Globes was an idea that God hit me with the Monday morning right after. And I was able to get to the producer of the Golden Globes and he had the audio for us in a matter of hours. And we got that out in the next. It's it's crazy that something you can think about and, and make happen turns into news. Like and then all these, you know what I mean? Like all these news stories start popping up and and people just like appreciate it. And it was it was just really you're, dope. You're, t- you're curating a different way in which we can not just engage with music, but also with uh, artists that we love yeah. you know, or shows that we love. Exactly. Or films that we love. So now we're having a different experience when we're interacting with this content that's coming from tv right and, and this intersection of all three which is amazing. that's exactly that's exactly right and i think i was like talking to you about this yeah you know you were like yo i saw that <laughs> and i was like and that made me and like and y'all like it made me smile like i was really i don't know how it was on the outside but in the inside at least i probably was playing like, she gets it <laughs> yeah I, remember, I was like she she sees and gets it and just knowing that like there was somebody who like saw it and was watching and got because you got it yeah you got I'm like, it brilliant yeah you were like how you did this and how y'all doing that you were like you work on that i was like yeah that's my me and my team and and that's crazy let's talk about timing because i sat across from x at the dinner and i just remember it was like hey you know just having a conversation mm-hmm. not even knowing you know a lot of people in our industry are all about who's who mm-hmm. and I'm only going to talk to the celebrities mm-hmm. in a room mm-hmm. and like rub elbows with these people mm-hmm. and you know and I think Issa even said it best about like you know networking across not networking up but just in general to like you just never know who you're going to interact with in a room and the energy that you bring the attitude that you bring can make a break a relationship that yeah. you could have established. That's true. Just in a simple hello, how are you? How are you doing today? Like yep. that's literally how I conversation. And then we talked for the rest of the yeah. like till we left. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, that's so dope. Because I was like literally talking to you about it. I was like, I get it. I understand it. You did, yeah. Love it. Yeah. So I'm so happy that like this even came first full circle in our conversation yeah. now. And that we both hosting a podcast. Because at the time, I wasn't hosting. That's true. And neither was yeah. I. So even like just a few months later, God keeps bringing these opportunities. And shout out to you for making your own. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, like I'm thankful that I'm doing one that was a concept that somebody else had and pitched me on it mm-hmm. and now I can make it my own and I and I'm shaping it and you know brought the music to it and this and that and blah 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 but you created your own and you're making it happen yeah. and there's something to be said for that I appreciate that So shout out to you Thank you and like much success because that's really dope Thank you That's really Thank dope We're going to pray that God keeps washing over That's washing right over it All God's covering and blessings On the show Like continues to prosper through prayer Patience and perseverance that's And it's right. about telling stories That's what you want yes. You want people to share their stories Absolutely We need to hear them Yes So in closing out the episode I just want to ask you And I usually ask most of my guests What are kind of your three guiding principles Ooh. To keep you grounded um, as you continue to pursue your happiness or live in your purpose um, and continue to kind of overcome your fear? Let's see. That's a really good question. I would say focus on today. We really think and act like we know that we have all this time left. Mm-hmm. And we need to live in today and embrace today because now is all any of us has. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. The other way is be thankful for your health. If you got health, I don't, I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all, I had no money for a long time and I never missed a meal and I worked out and I drunk water. You know what I'm saying? Like right. and all that matters because I had my health every day because mm-hmm. it was people who had a lot of money to this day. It's people who have a lot of money that would give it all up just to be healthy. Right. So appreciative of my health, um, focusing on the day. And really, for real, having a real, sincere, authentic relationship with God and carrying that every day and every moment. That's, I would say those are my three guiding principles because it ain't about a job. It ain't about any of this stuff. Job's going to come and go, Mm y'all. Every job we all have right now, one day we ain't going to be working there. That's just the real. The real. That's the real. So don't. Make your life about a job. Just focus on the right things, man. And you can have...
peace and joy every day and walk in the purpose. If you don't know what your purpose is, that's okay. Seek it out. Mm-hmm. You'll find out through God, your relationship with God. You don't got to be a Christian, but whatever that is, find it. And there's peace in it. Amen. Amen. And as we close out the show, good old Joel Austin. Oh, yeah. Come on, Joel. <laughs> One said, God would not have put a dream in your heart if he hadn't given you everything you need. That's right. And that is how, That's you know, right. I like to pick a quote that ties into mm-hmm. the person's fear. So I wanted to leave That's off right. on that note. Amen. I receive Amen. it. I receive, receive it. it. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> until next time, guys, I'm wishing you all love, light, and many of your blessings. Have a happy Fearless Friday. It's your girl, Fearless Kia. Peace. And we out.